Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a cloudy day in a rather deserted city of Westminster in current times, as once again, we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner, and I'm joined on today's programme by Thomas Thompson. Thomas is a director at Hamilton Car Sales, a business specialised in the sale of used cars based in Hamilton, Lanarkshire, Scotland. Thomas, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us today. Thank you for having me on, that's very good of you. Uh, thanks ever so much for taking the time to come on the air with us and uh, speak with me today. Now, um, the purpose of this podcast series, uh, Thomas, is to gather together a variety of different perspectives on leadership as a whole. So what I'd like to understand firstly is what that word leader actually means to you personally. So it was interesting um, doing a little bit of mental preparation for the podcast thinking of what a leader is. So typically people think of popular figures, sporting heroes or um or ministers or, you know, someone in a position of authority. Um but the more I thought about what a leader means to me, it became more personal and refined. So rather than being you know, a well known figure, it became people in my private life who have been in a controlling position or a, an influencing position, sorry. Uh, at critical times and help me through it. Um, so I think a leader, a leader in general to me, is someone who has the ability to take control of a situation and work it for the betterment of everyone concerned. Mm, and considering that point that you made there, that leaders, um, especially the more inspirational leaders, aren't necessarily people who are in the public eye. They're people who are working in businesses, people who are parents, people who are mentors. Do you think that leadership from that point of view is really as recognised as it should be in the UK as a whole? I, I think it's difficult to have the recognition for people who aren't in the public eye um, because when you do it, it becomes more of a generic term. Like, um, just now, you know, we're doing a, a Thursday evening clap for the NHS, and it, it feel, or, or or for frontline workers, and it becomes a very generic and open thing. Now it's a it's a great gesture, and I'm sure the people who are in that position feel great about it, but it doesn't properly recognise each individual person or the role in it. Um, so I think it's difficult to recognise people individually for for, for the leadership, um, other than the people closest to them, maybe getting the desired result um, based on the leadership that we're showing. I think uh, that's absolutely right, Thomas. And um, if we think about um, your leadership style when it comes to a business now, just for a moment, how would you describe your way of going about leading a group of people? So I'm 40 years old. And the reason I say that is I would say my leadership style has changed quite dramatically um, over my 22 years in, in sales predominantly. Um, I was, I've been lucky enough in almost every um, position or every business I've been in where I've quickly managed to get to a leadership position, um, even from starting from the bottom rung when I was younger. Um, and I, again, to go back to what I mentioned a minute ago about sporting figures, for instance, as a young person growing up, you believe, the great leaders you believe in or the ones you're exposed to are people typically in the line that you're interested in. So for me, that would have been rugby or football or um, maybe someone in another sport winning a major honour where there's an individual standout performance that drags a team across the line. So my, my style when I was younger was very much about 
motivating and maybe tapping into people's um, emotions and trying to, to fire them up to get them across um, the line in whichever format. For me, again, sales typically tends to be targets, um, sales figures or whatever it may well be. But that was a very much an emotive um, thing. Whereas as I've gotten older and I've learned techniques and management styles, it's more of a process-driven um, style of management now or leading where you understand what works, what doesn't work, and maybe understand that how an emotional style of leading can create certain issues that you would like to avoid by sticking to more um, conventional methods. So I think it's, it, it's funny actually thinking about it. Um, if I had to go back and watch myself manage in my early 20s, I would probably change a bit. Um, and hopefully, maybe in another 20 years' time, I look back at what I would do now and hopefully change a bit because I've improved a lot. Definitely. And um, if you were to be able to actually go back, um, Thomas, and uh, maybe change one or two things in that approach, would you actually go back and change the way that you manage back then? Or would you actually rather keep that learning experience because it's actually developed you and benefited you in the long run? Oh, I would keep it as it is. Um, I was very lucky to, to have quite senior roles to a, to a degree um, early on in my career. Um, I worked for an insurance company where I was promoted quite quickly within 18 months. Um, myself and another manager were the only two people reporting to the board of directors. Um, we had around 100 people um, directly reporting into us at 21, which was quite a lot with no formal training in, in management or leading. Um, and it was an opportunity, although it was quite a low-paid job for what we were doing, it was an opportunity to cut your teeth and find out what does and doesn't work and what you maybe should do and shouldn't do. But um, it's all character building. And I think, one thing I should have mentioned, I think leadership is within people or it's not. You either have that inbuilt ability to want to be a leader and take control of things or you wait for others to do it for you. I think experience, um, as you say there, is a massive, massive teacher, isn't it? That experience of having to go out of your comfort zone and, as you say, cut your teeth a little bit, really kind of develop um, on your own in a way. And sometimes it's good, isn't it, to let people sort of um, go and be a little bit independent and take a little bit of a backseat as a leader and maybe let people kind of feel their way into uh, certain roles and develop for themselves. I agree 100%. If I look back to when I was younger, really all I had to go on at that point as a leader was what was in my gut. I hadn't really been exposed to in business to any any particular style which I could replicate or any great business practices which I which I thought would be applicable to what I was doing. So for me really at that point it was on gut, natural instinct and um as I mentioned earlier, maybe looking at the kind of sporting model of trying to get an emotional response to, to, to help you across but I think um, to answer the first question, it's, it's, I wouldn't change it. I think I would actually encourage more people to go through that process of look at what you naturally have um, and then understand and be reflective on what, what, what didn't work, what you would do again and what you wouldn't rather than just toss it to the side and move on. 
And obviously, as you say, that you've changed your sort of leadership approach um, over the years, if you developed through your career there um, as well, Thomas, you would have previously looked, for example, um, to sports personalities for inspiration. Um, Is that necessarily the case now or are there sort of different people that you look to for inspiration and influence in that way? Two different sides to that question. So I think what changed my style was having the influence of um, great business practices from different businesses I worked in, um, as well as speaking to and learning from great great business leaders. So they really, they they take you by the hand and show you a better way of working and, and let you understand why that's a good way of working. So that, that would probably be one side of it. Um, now, I, yeah, I, I would agree that as you get older, you maybe become a bit more immune to the starry-eyed teenager who looks at sporting personalities as being the be-all and end-all. So now, um, it's pretty current that Jacinda Ardern, the, the New Zealand Prime Minister, um, she was quite prevalent with um, regards to the, the terror attacks that were in New Zealand and got lots of praise for her leadership during that time where she was bringing people together and trying to be proactive in an approach to heal the country. Um, so I probably look at people like that now more and think that's a good leader or that is our leader rather than a sporting personality, for instance, who does an exceptional thing for you with class as a leader. And I think it's because one of the things that makes um, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, of course, uh, such a good example there is uh, that show of compassion, I suppose, as a leader. And that's Definitely. also something that's hugely important, isn't it? Yeah, I think the word you put on there is the perfect word, compassion. Every time she spoke, even even now with with the the coronavirus, when 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 she speaks, she she speaks with real compassion. She speaks with caring, and I think anyone who watches her, regardless, I mean, us for instance on the opposite side of the world, but regardless of who you are, you can't fail to understand that 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 woman is emotionally invested in what she's talking about, and she's doing it for the greater good of everyone not just for a bit of self-betterment. I think that's absolutely right, uh, Thomas. And um, based upon all of the experience that, of course, you've accumulated and that journey that you've gone on, that journey of development, if you were to give some conclusive advice to somebody who were about to start their first day in a leadership position, what sort of advice would you give them? Understand your people. Um, I think the, the role of a leader can be made as difficult or as easy as you would like to make it based on your ability to understand your people. Um, to give you a, a very quick example, if you had two people striving for the same result and getting the same result at the end of it, but one of them um, creates an inclusive environment where there is compassion or understanding for the people involved and the other one has more of an autocratic approach to it, I think by the end of the same cycle, even though they got the same result, and the ability to replicate that would be greatly enhanced or hindered based on either being inclusive or, or you know, cracking the whip to get people over the line. So understand your people is probably the key thing, I would say. Exactly. A leader has to create a culture which is going to get the best out of those around them as well but also a leader has to pick the people around them very carefully too because it's in a way yeah it's not just about necessarily leaders trying to get the best out of those around them but also having people around them who can get the best out of them at the helm as well and um, yeah definitely and I think that's um, it brings um, me to a quote. Um, I think it was Nelson Mandela who said, um, always surround yourself with people who are better than you are. And that can be translated in a way as saying, pick your mentors very carefully as well. Yeah. 
I think, um, again, to bring it back to, to sales, um, you know, there's a there's a, a, a joke expression within sales about if you want um, if you want something doing quickly, give it to the laziest salesperson because they'll find the quickest way of doing it so they can get back to doing nothing again. Um, and that, for me, I've, I've used that over my career. And I've been, I think, I'd like to claim, in fact, that I've been very good at being able to pick good people for my teams and then to understand them, truly understand them. And in that way, you become a team member rather than just a leader, which I think, again, is important. I think it is important because I think that as as a leader, that is a show of humility, isn't it? And when you do show humility in that sense and really bring yourself onto a level with those around you, it's far easier to take people with you, which is hugely important as well, because without that team of people around you as a leader, you're not necessarily really a leader of anything, are you? That's that. I think, I mean, I'm I'm fortunate that I've never been in the position, but even if you are a one-man band, you know, an individual tradesman, you are the leader of your little your little empire, and although there isn't anyone else to to um, influence or or lead, you're still leading your own business on a journey. Um, and I, w- I would far, far rather be in a situation where I had a team of people working with me to take up the slack and maybe even call me on my my errors um, in a constructive way for me and for them to to the betterment of the team. So for me. I've been lucky enough always to be part of a team. I would, I would hate to try it as an individual um, because I, I, I don't think I would get the feedback or the connection I would need to get the best out myself. I can certainly see where you're coming from uh, there, Thomas. And um, if we think about um, obviously getting the best out of yourself and those around you for the future now, before we do wrap things up on the uh, the programme today, um, do give me an idea of what you envision the next 12 months will hold for yourself and for Hamilton Car Sales and also what you hope to achieve in that time, as well as your ambitions for beyond the current COVID-19 situation as well that we find ourselves in. Well, if you'd asked me the question two and a half months ago, it would have been a very different answer to today. Mm, of um, course. We worked very hard over the last three years to put ourselves um, in a strong position where we were improving uh, the financial results of the business and the trajectory of the business in general. Um, whereas this year, um, we looked to, to do more of the same. And because of the, the COVID-19 crisis, we've had to change our approach quite dramatically and adopt new processes to allow us to thrive during this time. One of the key things we've done, um, well, it's a key thing, is um, we've continued to advertise at the exact same rate and to keep ourselves uh, very prominent uh, on social media and different websites um, where others have shrunk. And the idea was if you spend the same amount of money but there's less people in the market, you have the opportunity to grow and take more of the market share. And it's worked. So we've, we've been very fortunate that the approach seems to have worked. We've continued to trade quite well during that time. And it's allowed us to to be a bit more proactive in our approach to the rest of the year, rather than firefighting a situation. Um, so over the course of the next year, we're looking for, um, again, a growth in percentage for, for our sales figures, maybe not the overall revenue due to the the impact of the virus and going forward really as a leader I think it's a time to be innovative and to lead the team in a different direction because things like 
good old days of people turning up at the shop and coming in to have a look um, are gone. Um, and it's certainly in the, the short to medium term, we have to find a new way of working and a new way of um, thriving in that. So we are hopefully at the forefront of it and we continue to see the results that, that have came as a result of that as well. Exactly right. I and mean, it's going to be very much about um, a team effort going forward from here because there is going to be more market share um, available as businesses inevitably, unfortunately, don't make it through. And those okay. that are still in the market will have to, of course, innovate and adapt to be able to seize upon those um, opportunities. And even though we're just about out of time on the programme today, Thomas, I think it would be absolutely brilliant if in the next few months when we start to see that market environment really changing in reality, we can maybe have you back on the air with us to talk about how it's changing, how you've adapted to that and how the business is getting on as well. Um, but for yeah, now, I think it would be great. Um, for now as well, um, I have to say, it's been a really insightful experience uh, speaking to you on the today's programme and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on and speak with me today, especially for the benefit of the listeners tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as well, Thomas. Do take care and do stay safe with everything still going on as well. Thank you. That was Thomas Thompson, Director at Hamilton Car Sales. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. Um, Sir Jeff, during his professional football career, scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup following his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago now i hope you enjoy listening just as much as jonathan enjoyed speaking with sir jeff and that's coming up next Uh, we're now joined uh, though by former england footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a world cup final sir jeff hurst uh, thank you very much for coming on today uh, you're welcome you're welcome good afternoon uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, yeah. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He, um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time at 
years, I guess, he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did again mm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alfred Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people 
and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second, I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very, 
I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. It's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with, but it's probably too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Uh, um, and again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when obviously this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the uh, fans of, of West Ham and, uh, and Stoke. 
and of course into the England fans who um, I, I think probably it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's have a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, in a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's ast- absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today yes I think so I think yes no, mm. no question at all I think they uh, Ron Greenwood yeah well, the, the answer is straightforward answer is yes um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think 
that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after '66. They, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and, when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word is team. team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, Together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and single mind and dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.